And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Monday, Gary, hello. Hello, I'm doing good. Before you even ask, I'm doing good. Okay. Well, good. Everything is hunky-dory. Yeah, right. Good. Yeah, here we go here. I'm just uh, reading uh, Wall Street Journal. Joe Biden and the 51 spies of 2020. We're now learning his campaign helped gin up the disinformation about Hunter's laptop. Mm. Think about this now. All the major disinformation, the major stories of disinformation, and this is the the incredible thing. Democrats believe they have the high ground on this, on disinformation. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's why they're always promoting we need to have a disinformation board Mm -hmm. to stop all this disinformation and all the biggest stories that we have talked about over the last six years have all been disinformation that has come from the Hillary campaign and now apparently the Biden campaign. Yes. That's where Blinken was at the time. The House Judiciary Intelligence Committee released portions of a deposition transcript exposing the origins of the statements from 51 former U.S. spies declaring that Hunter's laptop had all the classic earmarks of a Russian disinformation operation. Mm-hmm. The admission came from Mike Morrell, former deputy CIA director under Barack Obama. The letter served its political purpose of giving the media and Joe Biden the opening to dismiss the New York Post laptop, laptop story as Russian disinformation. It turns out the Biden campaign was behind the letter. Mr. Morrell told Congress under oath, that he received a phone call from Anthony Blinken, now Secretary of State, on October 17, 2020, three days after the Post published emails from Hunter's laptop. Mr. Blinken was then senior advisor to the campaign and is now Secretary of State. According to the letter the House committee sent to Mr. Blinken last week, Mr. Morell said the call was couched as simply gathering Morell's reaction to the Post story. Yet it set in motion the events that led to the issuance of the public statement. Committee question to Mr. Morell. Prior to Mr. Blinken's call, you you did not have any intent to write this statement? 
Morrell, I did not. The letter says Morrell also explained that the Biden campaign helped to strategize about the public release of the statement. Mr. Morrell said he then, uh, he then contacted an aide to former CIA director John Brennan to say the Biden campaign wanted the statement to go to a particular reporter at the Washington Post first and that he should send the statement to the campaign when he sent the letter to the reporter. Mr. Morrell acknowledged he had two goals with the statement, to share our concerns with the American people and to help Vice President Biden win the election. All of this took place shortly after the final presidential debate. And Mr. Biden pointed to the Gang of 51 statement that his campaign uh, helped uh, to generate as proof that Hunter's laptop was phony. Look, there are 50 former national intelligence folks who say that what this, uh, 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 what, what this uh, Trump is accusing me of is a Russian plan. They have said that all of this has the characteristics for five former heads of the CIA. Both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Mr. Morrell told the committee that following the debate, Biden campaign chair and now senior White House aide Steve Rochetti called to thank him for the statement. No doubt the Biden campaign had, in essence, generated its own disinformation, marshalling the authority of a supposedly nonpartisan intelligence veterans to discredit a story that was accurate about laptop emails that were authentic. The committees are seeking more information from Mr. Blinken about uh, the Biden campaign's um, role, and the public deserves answers. Statement signers like former Obama Director of National Intelligence James Clapper have since admitted they had no evidence to make their disinformation claims and Mr. Clapper claims the media distorted their views. No, the press did precisely what Mr. Blinken and the 51 spooks wanted. Use a letter to discredit the Hunter laptop and the information on it that raised questions about the Biden family business with foreigners. Intelligence officials, former as well as current, have a particular duty not to spread disinformation because they have access to classified information that the public can't check. The press overwhelmingly went along with the false Biden campaign claims because it wanted Mr. Biden to win. These 51 officials have done more damage to the credibility of the CIA and FBI than anything Donald Trump has said. Ditto for the complicit media. You think about it, and we've talked about the uh, the whole Russia collusion thing that went on for years. Yeah, That was sure. disinformation created, paid for, and created by the Hillary campaign. We yep. know that. And now, the push to fight back against the true story of the Hunter Biden laptop, which went, and, and again, I mean, I, we mentioned this last week, one uh, member of the House, Democrat member of the House, I can't think of who it was at the moment, was screaming that Hunter Biden isn't president. It's not about Hunter Biden, everybody knows that. It's about influence peddling and enriching the Biden family to tens of millions of dollars over the years, including when the president now was vice president. Started way, 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 way back then. That's what it's about. It's about influence peddling, and we all know it. And that's why they weren't scared because, oh, if it's about Hunter Biden, obviously anybody goes, oh, Hunter Biden? Okay, money goes right there. The letter was weak to begin with. But now to learn that it came from directly from the Biden campaign, A, is no big surprise, no shocker. This is 
exactly how the left operates. Why would you say the letter is weak? I'm not sure I understand the context. The letter from the top officials, remember how they phrased it. It appears that this is Russian disinformation. This smells like Russian disinformation. Right. Well, I, and I, I agree the, the evidence was weak, but it was extremely effective. As a political statement, it was extremely effective. It was the what, I don't. I, I'm I'm not so sure I can measure that. <clears throat> it was it. Well, it legitimized. It legitimized the fact that the uh, the Democrats and the media were saying I that think, this was disinformation. I think for those I think for those who already believed it, who already believed there was nothing there. Yeah. For those of us who saw right through it from the beginning, yeah. I, that it was yeah, not right, and so it was weak from the beginning. And this entire thing is exactly—it's proof once again how the left will operate. Once again, they will make it up, and they—they they won't just make it up. They'll do what Hillary did, what Biden did, and what the future Democrats are still today willing to do. They'll use everything in their playbook. And they'll throw it at you. And they'll come at you. How dare you show up at a teacher's conference meeting and complain about anything? You're all of a sudden a terrorist. We'll weaponize everything and anything we want to. We'll come after you if you ask a question. We'll come after you if you speak out against our agenda. And we'll use every single thing within our playbook and power to bring everything we can to the game. And by the way, they knew this because even four years in, Donald Trump was still an amateur. This goes back to exactly what Comey said when they talked about sending FBI agents to talk about to talk to his incoming or his brand new national security advisor we know these guys were amateurs they didn't know what was going on they didn't know that they were supposed to go through white house counsel when they talked to michael flynn they they knew exactly what they were doing they were playing the system against somebody who was not part of the system before and they did it in the end over and over again they use everything within their reach and weaponize it to the fullest extent this is who they are and if you think they won't come after you you're wrong they'll come after trump they'll go after any presidential candidate i don't know what they'll throw at someone like a ron DeSantis because he's a real threat to them everyone here and here's the problem the next conservative president has access to so much information they can open the entire book and read it there are very few places to hide and all along they have designed something that they believe honestly is too big to fail that you can't let anyone on the right end because and if it, they are even close, you're gonna. There's no telling what they would throw at a Ron DeSantis or whoever the nominee happens to be next year. They're hoping it'll be Trump because they can keep up the same game. 
they won't have to come up with something new. But if it's Ron DeSantis, expect that they'll do the exact same thing. They'll weaponize it to the fullest extent. And now Biden is a sitting president. He has the full power of his administration to weaponize it. And if you need any examples, you just simply haven't been paying attention. From Blinken to the current attorney general, every single thing is about building a firewall around this president and keeping it there and building a firewall around their agenda. And if you speak up against it, no matter who you are, you're going down. They're coming after you. A couple of interesting points that uh, you didn't hear. You know, I, I just mentioned it to you in our in our pre-show meeting that you heard absolutely nothing from Merrick Garland. Usually if something like this comes up, he'll call a press conference immediately and come out. Nothing. Nothing from Merrick Garland. Nothing from the, the uh, in fact, a State Department spokesperson was asked and said, well, it doesn't involve the Department of State. Of course it does. It's, How it doesn't? It's here, and, and, and so they have they have no. There's no response at all. And in fact, we'll have some of the news reporting from the mainstream media that was pounding on this. And I really think that the whole age thing that started over the weekend about Biden, all of a sudden everybody was on that in the Sunday morning news show. His age, his age, his age, really is part of the panic of what's going on here with the political dirty tricks and the corruption with uh you know uh influence pe- you know influence peddling i think most democrats look at this and go whoa and there's very few there's a few democrats out there when they were asking about his age well we think that he's uh, he's uh, right on top of everything the new york times even the washington uh, the wall street journal started it but then the also the new york well actually they didn't i think the new york times last thursday had a, you know, just a blistering article about the fact that he's too old. But I don't think it's actually his age they're worried about. I think it's the they view him as being extremely vulnerable. I think the Democrats think they can get away with almost anything. I think one thing that bothers them is the fact that by the time election time rolls around next year, influence peddling is going to be on the tip of everybody's tongue. And that's just something you can't win a presidential election on. Especially if they've got you on crimes. If it had been known during Anthony Blinken's confirmation hearing that he was the one who designed that letter. He wouldn't be Secretary of State. There's not a chance in hell he would be. Well, you And you already have right now, you have people calling for him to step down as a result of this. I don't know that that's going to happen. But I can darn sure tell you, he wouldn't be there. If this were known then. This is exactly who. Jack. You can't tell him what to do. He'll keep those documents right there by that Corvette. Maybe somewhere in the Corvette. (laughs) Have we even checked under the hood? (laughs) I mean this is. This is who Biden is. He's got the power. Got the ultimate power. And he's wanted it from the beginning, by the way. He just wasn't good enough to get there. And then if one of those top secret documents is what Hunter Biden used from the house and the garage to deal with the Chinese, then it may be a little red Corvette. That could be.
that was bad. That was yeah. Hey, we got a great show ahead. All right, great show ahead. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Cold weather takes a toll on trucks. As warmer weather rolls in, it's time to assess the impact winter has had on your vehicle to help avoid downtime and keep your rig rolling through to next winter. When completing your spring maintenance check, don't overlook your windshield wipers. Extreme temperatures, snow and ice can tear windshield wipers apart. Check on yours now to prepare for spring showers and avoid squinting through streaks. A general rule of thumb is to replace your wiper blades every six months. But if your inspection uncovers streaking, worn rubber, or damaged wiper frames, you may want to purchase a new set sooner. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Welcome and uh, good morning to the uh, show. So much to uh, uh, talk about that uh, that happened. <laughs> John Kerry saying that green energy will be more competitive if we raise prices of oil and natural gas. goes back to what Obama said a few years back where he said we need to skyrocket the cost of uh, electricity, and uh, that's the only way that you can make alternative energy uh, work. So John Kerry stating uh, uh, that. Eric Adams in New York City uh, says uh, the city is being destroyed by the migrant crisis caused by President Biden. Wow. NBA legend Phil Jackson Mm. has not watched the NBA since 2020. Black Lives Matter. Too political. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, yep. Um, you know, and and I don't know that it's, I I don't know 
again, it, you know, for the younger audience, I'd have to look at the, you know, where what hurt what in terms of the ratings. But you can bet that the game, it's the presentation of the game has changed drastically. Even after, keep in mind, NBA commissioner came out and said, and, and that was fairly early on if you think about it, at the end of that first season where they had prominence. Yeah, we're not going to, we're going to, we're going to kind of back off that. And then they just kind of ushered it out in terms of the visibility of Black Lives Matter in the NBA games. But the problem is when you change the game, the presentation of the game, there, there's a huge chunk of your audience that you're not going to win back. You know, I don't know if, if the NFL, um, in terms of, Winning back the same people, their audience may grow as a result of new generations coming in and watching actively, you know, uh, that kind of thing or showing up to games or whatever. Uh, that, that may be the case. They may both, the NBA and the NFL may continue to grow, but there are still people out there that won't go back. I have a handful of family members, uh, uh, I'd say two of which would watch games every Sunday for the NFL. They didn't get to watch Monday and Thursday games as much, but they watched every Sunday, and they haven't watched in years. You know, again, you can still grow your audience, but it's based on uh, a new generation. And wouldn't you, I guess, my question for NFL or NBA commissioner, wouldn't you like to have everybody watching? in every demographic. I would love to see the breakdown of of how many people left that haven't come back. Not the overall numbers. That doesn't tell the whole story. From the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want. Uh, if you can't listen live overnight, looking at this here California winter rainfall sparks renewed gold rush. Is this just an effort for California to get, get people, people to come back? To come back. <laughs> I saw that story. I'm like, are they trying to say there's gold in. Then thar hills. Yeah. Oh, by the way, that was not. Uh, I'm not assigning pronouns to the hills. By the way. Oh, just, okay. Yeah. How they, <laughs> I've heard that said in a Western one time. I just yeah. want to make a, a, a clear on uh, on uh, on that. We. Uh, so if they would just tell us exactly where the gold is, it would save a lot of time. Yes. I saw that. I just burst out laughing. California winter rainfall sparks renewed gold rush. Really now? Hmm. That's what you're trying to do to get people back. By the way, whatever gold you find, 90% of it goes to the government of California. I thought it was 190%. I thought you actually had to pay them. (laughs) Yeah. um, There is a guy uh, that I follow, and one of his friends uh, on his YouTube channel 
still has a claim in the Sierras. And uh, he's he's older, so, so he doesn't get back to it. But everyone's kind of rallying around him to help him get back to his gold claim to see if he can. You know, and back in the day, he actually did it as work, as, you know, trying to make money off of it. And obviously, these days, he's retired just trying to make, you know, whatever. Just find whatever. And he was talking about this um, huge six-pound nugget that was found by one guy. And he said the meltdown price was so-and-so. I forget what he said. And he said, but the eBay price was like more than three times that, what somebody actually paid on eBay for it. <laughs> like, wow. But, uh, yeah, I, and I saw one. Um, it was a survival show that I had not seen. I don't really watch the survival shows. Uh, but this one episode came up, and it was interesting. And it was, uh, I think it was, must have been from Discovery um, at one point a couple of years ago. And the guy had to, they basically had to uh, race to the rendezvous point. You know, they were all put in different places, and you only have so many supplies, and then you get to the rendezvous point. You got to be there, uh, you know, at a certain time, and you got to survive the whole, you know, harsh winter elements or whatever of of Alaska or spring elements actually <laughs> are pretty harsh. And one guy came across an area that he knew to be rich in gold. And he stopped to do some panning and found about three or $400 in gold while he was just, while he was just going through, while he was actually playing this um, competition on television. But, uh, yeah, I, um, I've always wanted to go and go through the process. But I don't think I could do that more than just like a vacation visit. No, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go and, and set up a claim and sit there and because it's, it's, it's not the work. It's the psychology. So you find a decent sized nugget and I don't know, I can't quantify what a decent sized nugget is, but you find something measurable and then, you never stop looking. Your mind is set on, you know, the the whole gold fever thing. Your mind is just set on finding a lot more. And you would just never leave. <laughs> that would be me. I would just set up shop and, oh, no, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And I wouldn't be afraid of the work. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, for me, I go right back to that, uh, that uh, Clint Eastwood movie. Mm. Remember with The Preacher? Mm-hmm. Remember when uh, the I can't think of the name of the movie. What that movie is? Mm. The movie where Clint Eastwood is the preacher and everybody's trying to pan for gold. And there's the one guy who's, you know, got the big corporation that's trying to, you know, they're all they're all individual stakeholders and he's trying to run them all off. And mm. Clint Eastwood is the preacher. You know the movie. At mm. the end, she's screaming, "Preacher, preacher!" Yeah, probably. I'm sure I've seen it. I just don't remember it. Yeah, you know the movie. Yeah, I just can't think of the name of it. There. Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, uh, a couple guys end up getting killed for that one. <laughs> well, and, and there's another thing. I mean, if it, if there is this new, uh, gold rush, whatever that would be in today's age, uh, first of all, <laughs> in the era of quiet quitters, how many people are we actually talking about? <laughs> because it is, yeah, work. that's true. Yeah. You know, the yield versus the work. You know, unless you know already know what you're doing, it's just not going to be much. No, but um, 
good luck. All right, so here we go. We got here's the headline: High-profile Republicans call on Blinken to resign over Hunter Biden laptop letter. Uh, two high-profile Republicans are calling for Secretary of State uh, Blinken to resign or face impeachment charges in the wake of allegations that the Biden administration official intentionally misled the public on the Hunter Biden laptop case to help then-candidate Joe Biden win the 2020 election. Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona, uh, Senator Ron Johnson uh, of uh, Wisconsin, called on the top Biden administration official to resign, arguing such efforts should disqualify him from leading the State Department. Uh, Let's talk about our allies who now don't trust us at all, Biggs said in an interview with Just the News. And why would they? They think we're weak, untrustworthy. How in the world can he remain our spokesperson to the world? I just don't see how he can. Uh, He should go. I think he's uh, irreparably harmed the United States. Johnson reiterated Biggs' call for Blinken to resign, arguing that he should be impeached if he doesn't agree to step down. Wow. There's so much to to unpack here because, um, you know, I don't expect Blinken to step down, but there is going to be a nonstop effort to uh, get him uh, in front of uh, in front of uh, committees. And there should be. And what's he going to say? Is he going to take the fifth? You know, the secretary of state taking the fifth. You can't last if you're secretary of state taking the fifth in front of Congress. Let me play this here because. I think uh, we need to refresh people's memories mm. of how this was used. This was, I believe, the last debate. Okay, here we go. Fifty former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. This is classic Trump. We have four days left, and all of a sudden, there's a laptop. There's overwhelming evidence that... Okay, we'll try it again here. For some reason, uh, well, you you get it. Of course, my computer goes on me, but that's standard operating procedure here. Well, you know, and and there's the thing. Look, uh, the biggest tell in that entire thing was the fact that social media was shutting down the New York Post. And we said from the beginning, the night that the New York Post story hit, we said, look, if the New York Post is wrong, if they get burned on, you know, from their sources or whatever, then they get burned. They get burned hard on this. But if it's not, if it's true, uh, you know, the first question, is it really Hunter's laptop? Remember, that was denied right. No, nah, he doesn't have a laptop. There's no laptop. There's no laptop. And it's not Hunter's laptop. They're making it up. They're making it up. It's all garbage, garbage, garbage. But if you were following the story, if you were actually paying attention, you could see right through everything that they were throwing out. And and the and their entire effort to shut down social, the story on social media that we now know was apparent back then. Now, we didn't know that it was the FBI trying to shut, you know, the, the story down on social media, that they were leading social media uh, to, to shut it down, that they had basically set up shop at Twitter and then gone over to Facebook and 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 told uh, Zuckerberg, you know, the whole thing. Um, we didn't know that part of it, but we definitely knew if you were following 
along. We knew there had to be something there for there to be that kind of concerted effort to shut it down. And ironically, one of the first in the media to actually acknowledge that it was a thing was Jeffrey Tubin, of all people, fully clothed on TV. He said, we don't know what to do with the Hunter Biden thing. And we said, yeah, you do. You don't know how to ignore it is what you're right. saying. Yeah, but you could you can report it, certainly. And and eventually yeah. it was way too big to float to the surface. You know, this isn't like um uh Biden um you know had an affair or something back in his early Senate days or that he you know, or or stories that kind of fade in the past and 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 kind of live there. They really don't, you know, they they may circulate every once in a while, but they really don't. This was a brand new uh, set of evidence, really, to something that, that we had already known about the influence peddling of Joe Biden's family. That laptop was, you know, it was the, the golden egg. It might, may have been the goose and the golden egg. And it just, over and over again, every effort was made it look legitimate. Their effort to cover it up made it look legitimate. And here we are now in, in 23. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody claiming that the whole laptop story is bogus. No, there's no one claiming that. I think the yeah, last there's... effort... Um, is gone when basically a couple of times in recent months, Hunter Biden's lawyers basically admitted it's his laptop. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a great point. They admitted it there. And this defense really went nowhere, remember? Well, the the computer store owner looked at it illegally. It's like, right. well, guys, that's not going to go anywhere. Right. He was hired to actually look at the computer. Right. That's not going to go anywhere. And I'm like, wow, they've really got nothing. And you remember when... The lawyers were going to uh, do scorched earth. Yeah. Anybody who comes out, it's gone completely the opposite. Right. Well, because it was happening so quickly, more and more was being learned. They would basically have to go after everybody. You know, no, that's and, a good point. And, yeah. and now, and, you know, it, it's you, when you pair this with the, the classified document thing, it is so massive, especially what you mentioned earlier. If we learned that the documents that were, if some of the documents at the Biden home were used by Hunter and shown to uh, any foreign nationals, used in any kind of negotiation and taking that information and and getting rich off of it, this is even bigger than selling access and influence. It's a direct shot of okay, this is this is if if they could prove if they got a you know one or two documents and said, all right, we can actually prove that Hunter Biden used this in order to get this deal or that deal or keep this arrangement or whatever it might be. It would be 
the biggest presidential scandal in in our history, at least re- recent history. You could take that; it, it, it would it would quite possibly you no know, would I, I believe it destroy would. the party. Yeah, it, it would be yeah because you have influence. Remember the influence peddling then was backed by, in essence, de facto by trying to censor it, was then backed by the Democratic Party and the entirety of the media, yeah. the mainstream media. Yeah. We're trying to, and social media, mm-hmm. were trying to protect influence peddling. Right. And this influence peddling is so massive. I'm trying to think. I don't know of another, uh, in any type of presidential race or uh, any type of president where the influence peddling is this widespread. Right. And so I agree with you. It would be the biggest presidential scandal. Well, I think it is the biggest presidential it, scandal it, it is already, in American history. Yeah, it is already. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that if there, if you could demonstrate that quid pro quo, that, okay, right. he used that document in, um, in, in maintaining a, you know, flow of money or arranging for a flow of money or any right. deal that he made, I mean, that's it. That's the smoking gun. Or if he didn't pay taxes on it, if they can find yes. out he got income yeah. or things done. Sure. To his yes. Home, yeah. I mean, and then and and to it, the criminal, right. you know, any possible uh, crimes that were committed as a result of that. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more red eye radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, Jim Jordan said over the weekend that uh, uh, Biden made the Hunter laptop uh, Intel letter seem organic, and that was a great point, mm. that this thing just came out. We, had, In fact, it was inspired again uh, at, you know, by the Secretary of State, who was part of the Biden campaign at that point. We'll get to that, plus how is the mainstream media covering this all coming up. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley, 866-90-RED-EYE. Good morning. Here we are another week. You know, and the one thing I'm thinking of is, you know, the the uh, Blinken thing especially because it came from uh, Mike Morrell, who was, uh, you know, CIA director during the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, this thing, you know, this thing's going to blow up before the end of the week. Oh, yeah. Republicans are going to want to bring, you know, it's all politics. Yeah, they're politicians. So let's get that out of the way now. But they're going to want to they're going to be pounding on this this week, demanding an answer, you know, as to whether they 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 did, you know, this happened. And you think about it just here in the last couple of days. It's, It's been bad enough for Biden with all the Hunter Biden stuff, you know, coming out and. 
and uh, the the story, which really started a couple of weeks ago when it was, you know, 80 of uh, Hunter Biden's associates, you know, business associates visited Biden in the White House when he was vice president. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, not 80, 80 times. 80 times. 80 yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. It was not 80 people, 80 times. You know, that was that was damning in its in itself. But now you've got you've got two separate things here. Uh, you've got uh, Blinken uh, with this accusation against him and the one against Merrick Garland. And what I noticed is I thought Merrick Garland would speak up or have some kind of a statement. Nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. And he's been very quick. If there's been major criticism of his office, he he may not take any questions, but he'll hold a press conference and say something. There's yeah. been nothing out of it. And so these two things are just, when you start getting, you know, beyond, because this is going beyond Hunter and beyond the president. Now this goes to his cabinet. Yeah. 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 And, and then then let's not also forget his national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. Remember, mm, yeah, Jake Sullivan was involved in the Hillary campaign. Right. And the the whole deceit there and that political, you know, dirty trick there. But you start setting a pattern and the Republicans will where everyone who surrounds the president is corrupt. You know, and so is the president. The one thing you can't say about Trump is that the people who work for him did something like this because it was quite the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Jeff Sessions became the enemy eventually. You know, at one point, right. A.G. Barr was the enemy. Remember, there was a calling for, you know, a fire bar, fire, you know, session. And and Sessions was the first major GOP yeah. member of the party at, at, at that time who jumped on board with Trump and endorsed him. It was early that he endorsed him. And so you can't make that case. You can't make that comparison with the Trump administration. In fact... I don't know that you can make this this kind of comparison. If you think about what we know about the three you just mentioned, I don't know that you can make that kind of comparison for any modern president. I, I don't know of uh, based on everything that they were involved in. Jake Sullivan with uh, then with the Hillary campaign, uh, now Blinken, then with the Biden campaign, and now Secretary of State Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor. You know, and and A.G. Garland, uh, uh, who well, is basically and, setting up shop, and 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 keep in mind, um, setting up shop. Uh, we're being told by the whistleblower to uh, uh, to get in front of the the entire uh, uh, investigation, uh, but also working really hard with Biden to build that firewall on the documents. The DOJ, yeah, yeah. you know, working really hard to uh, not, well, go out of their way to not communicate effectively during that entire process after we learned, you know, I mean, we weren't but a few months into it or weeks into it uh, when we learned that timeline and, and, and how the DOJ was acting under Garland's reign. So all of this with those three individuals, my gosh. The only thing, I mean, I, you you could say... I I I think I agree with you. This is this is the worst ever. Um, but when you talk about 
those that surrounded Nixon. They yeah. did attempt yeah. to create a sure. firewall with Watergate. But remember, Watergate was unsuccessful. Yeah. They, <laughs> the bugging of the Democratic headquarters was discovered. Mm-hmm. So that was unsuccessful. When you look at, if you want to look at Russia collusion, the political impact of that was extremely successful. Yeah. The Hunter Biden, I agree with you. The letter, we always thought it was weak, but right, it was right. an effective political and how it was, Yeah. Right. In, but, in how it was structured. Right. We knew was my yeah, earlier point. We, yeah. We knew it was weak, but it was effective politically right before the election. Well, if, yeah, that was, was, if that was absolutely true and it was disseminated by the media earlier, a couple of months earlier, that these are payments that would have gone, you know, to the president and the president's being questioned. Could you imagine Bob Ulinsky being interviewed by everybody in the middle of September? Yeah. Or even the beginning of October stating, no, he took money, he took money, and everybody had him as a legitimate witness. If, if uh, one of the 51 former Intel officials that were on that letter had come out and said, yeah, it's uh, Blinken with his campaign. He's the one that organized this whole thing before it all happened. That's a great point. Yep. Boom. Then that would have just, it just yep. would have crumbled and the media wouldn't, wouldn't be able to ignore it at that time. And so this is really, it's, <sighs> one of our friends in the media the other day said, you know, I'm sick of the word bombshell. <laughs> I just burst out laughing. I just, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> bombshell. Yeah. But, but you think, you think about it. These are, and, and I always look at this and there's so much that comes at us every single day. And I, and probably to our listeners too, that you wonder at times, okay, it's just another accusation, another accusation, another accusation, another accusation. But these are serious accusations. And the fact is, you have witnesses. There's a difference between the accusations against Biden and even if you look at Blinken and Garland, whatever, is that everything, the vast majority of things about Trump, the vast majority, they could never connect any dots. Yeah. It was an accusation. Right. That never had any evidence to back it up. If you look at Russia collusion, for example, we know the first impeachment has fallen apart. Yeah, because of why? Because of Hunter Biden, mm-hmm. and you know, I I can see a future. I can see a future House reversing the impeachment on the on on uh, on Trump. I thought about on, that on, it was on a, a week or one. two ago, and yeah, and, I, on, you know, on, there was a talk that they may do it for both of them. Mm. But I'm just talking about impeachment one because it relates to this precisely. Mm-hmm. There was a legit reason. There was a legit reason for the executive branch to be concerned about what the previous executive branch was doing. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And and, and, I, and I say executive branch because uh, Biden would have been, you know, vice president. Right, so it's right. the executive branch there. Mm-hmm. I want to play this audio. This comes from CBS. So CBS covered, CBS starts covering it, and then everybody else seems to follow now. Mm. But here's CBS on uh the, uh, uh, the the Blinken story. According to House Republicans, they're saying that former CIA Deputy Director Mike Morrell gave them new information about the origins of a letter from 50 former intelligence officials concerning Hunter Biden's laptop. That statement, you'll recall, was published in October of 2020, and it suggested possible Russian involvement in hacking the laptop's contents. Our senior investigative correspondent, Catherine Herridge, has more. 
I've never spoken much. In the final weeks of the 2020 presidential campaign, the New York Post reported on the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, alleging he used his father's position for personal gain, a claim the president's son has denied. Less than a week later, more than 50 former intelligence officials released a statement that the laptop had all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. At the final presidential debate, then-candidate Biden cited the letter from intel officials to push back against then-President Trump's attacks. There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. They have said that this is, has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. According to a letter released Thursday night from the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees, former CIA Deputy Director Michael Morell told congressional investigators that days after the laptop story, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, then a Biden campaign advisor, reached out to Morell and set in motion the events that led to the intelligence officials' public statement. If they made an effort to manipulate intelligence officials to sign a letter uh, basically uh, misleading the public about the Hunter Biden laptop right before the election. That is a major, major political event. This comes after an IRS agent came forward this week alleging the investigation involving Hunter Biden's taxes has been improperly influenced for political reasons. The White House responded. President uh, respects the rule of law uh, and, and the, the independence of the Department of Justice. We asked Morrell, who is a former CBS News contributor, if the characterization of his congressional interview is accurate. And he declined to comment in a tweet. The White House accused House Republicans of weaponizing their power to relitigate the 2020 election rather than focus on the real problems Americans face. <laughs> well, that's about the only sort of response you can get. Right. <laughs> Let's look forward, not... Don't look at my past. Don't look at what I did. Yeah, let's uh, let's focus on inflation. No, oh, that's that's a problem, huh? <laughs> now, now he's going to focus on inflation. Oh, it's really bad. I understand. Uh, you know, those are the things too. Is that uh, you really don't want to focus on the other problems that America faces? You know, that's a two minute and a thirty second, two and a half, and on on uh, on on CBS, and you know everybody's covering it because now it's about it's more it's expanding now, and and the public is extremely interested in in things like this because you know that's you know influence. This is all about influence peddling. Yeah, and you look at it, you go, okay, this is Anthony Blinken trying to protect the the president from the legit evidence that exists on influence peddling. You know, and if, then. Um, if, if I'm doing the math here, if that's an evening broadcast, that's 10% of their broadcast. Yeah, good point. You take out yeah. the commercial time, yeah. and that's roughly 10% of their broadcast dedicated to that and then coupling the other story with it about uh, Merrick Garland. You know, they, they, mm -hmm. they basically dovetailed that in at the end. They're not, they're not just acknowledging these things. There and and you didn't see you didn't hear that. Typically, the the liberal media would come out and it would be they would start the game with, you know, oh these allegations, these allegations. That's the tone of the story, you know. And then at the end, and some are claiming blah blah blah. They did the entire rundown if you think about it of, of what's going on here, and then dovetailed in at the end or mentioned at the end 
the um, the response by the administration. We need to focus on the real problem. Americans want to fo- us to focus on the real problems. No, they don't. You mean the broken border and inflation? Okay, we can talk about that too. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. But these are the you know these are the the tells right now that and and you saw the the poll uh, that that came out in it's it's over and over again. The majority of people don't want Biden to run again, and he's apparently getting ready to announce sometime soon. But the liberal media doesn't clearly doesn't have any use for this administration anymore. More to come. Eight six six ninety red eye. Surviving and thriving as an owner operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. I do think that all the Democrats now in the Sunday morning news shows that seem to be obsessed, and we'll get to some of the audio cuts later on in the show, about uh, Biden's age, that it's actually not Biden's age. I really yeah, think I right, really yeah. think that last week, because think about last week. Last week you've got uh, both an IRS whistleblower saying Merrick Garland is is really the person behind it, is the is, you know, basically lied to Congress. Mm-hmm. And the Department of Justice is keeping this investigation on Hunter Biden from moving forward. That's the allegation from him. And then the whole Blinken thing with the letter. All of it is about protecting Hunter Biden, which is protecting what? The influence peddling of the Biden family that includes Joe Biden. Yeah. That just blew up because it went beyond the Biden family now. And now you're starting to spread the tentacles. And the first thing that you saw was... Well, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up, just like Watergate. Yeah, yeah. 
And I went, yeah, and that's what you're getting into now because yeah. now the cover-up in the perception in people's minds now is the cover-up is now consisting of not just Biden, you know, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and his family, but now outside influences is one of his former campaign aides who's now Secretary of State and the Attorney General of the United States. And it's all about influence peddling. Everything relates back to the Biden family enriching themselves because of the president's position. Well, and, and if you think about it, um, you know, we, we bring Jake Sullivan into the fold here because of yeah. the, you know, the, the massive uh, Russian hoax that he was a part of. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so they built the machine. You know, if, if you think about uh, how the Democrats have acted, they, they built this machine, uh, you know, um, going back to Hillary's run in, in 2016. Uh, continued that behavior uh, in 2020, um, controlling through the FBI, the social media, and and all of it. I mean, say what you will about Watergate. Now, it was a big deal, of course. But it doesn't compare when you put everything in perspective from uh, that we know just from 2016 on, uh, there yeah. were other things that we could add into it, and their behavior around elections and how people uh, they were trying to get Hillary elected, and then eventually getting Biden elected because you can look at it and, and the numbers uh, uh, point to uh, a great number of Americans that would have voted differently if they had known the truth about the Hunter Biden uh, laptop thing. Uh, so those all of that put together is a is a, a again this big it's not a political machine it's a political ai army it's that kind of arnold schwarzenegger movie <laughs> follow me if you want to live well and and plus we can throw in the by the way we'll get to the whole jim jordan brag thing here in a little bit mm. but you throw in the brag prosecution too which then people take all of this on top of it and say, yeah. well, everything yeah. seemed to be the Democrats making up something. Mm. The major disinformation that Democrats claim that they're against, the major disinformation in the United States over the last couple of years on all the major stories have come from the Democrats. Yeah. And they wish what they're trying to do with their disinformation boards is actually to keep the information from coming to the American public, and then Bragg's prosecution is so blatantly political across the board where it's almost like, well, this is the last act of desperation, and we know it's obvious that it's political, yeah. but it's all we have. Right. That That's the perception that I get. Yeah, right. And Because they can't, you can't undo it now, right? You built, no. you built this massive monster of a machine uh, politically, and there's just no way to undo it. This, these are going to be the tactics going forward. And Eric Harley taking your calls. 1 866 
90 Red Eye. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. So looking at this whole uh, uh, brag situation, and I just I sit back and I say to myself, all right, what's really going on here? You know, because Jim Jordan uh, wants to uh, interview what uh, the uh, the former DA or assistant DA Pomeritz uh, to appear uh, as a, a you know used to work for Bragg for a deposition, and and Bragg tried to stop it, and it went to one judge who said, "Nope, sorry," and then it went higher up, and they said, "Well, no, we're going to put a stay on it." And all of a sudden, Friday, he says. Nope, I withdraw my appeal. He can appear before you. Yeah. And you look at this. I mean, this this Pomeritz was one that wanted to go after Trump. Right. Yeah. You know, and quit because Bragg wouldn't initially go after him. And then all the backlash from that. And Bragg, you know, they believe changed his mind and came up with this convoluted, ridiculous, uh, I guess, uh, theory of of law, which is bogus mm-hmm. to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, to go after Trump. Everybody knows it's weak. And so, you know, I, I'm wondering, I think everybody's wondering, all right, why is this the guy that Jim Jordan wants to interview? Why do they want a deposition from him? What is the point? And why did Bragg cave? Why didn't he take it all the way? How does it harm him to take it all the way to the Supreme Court and stall this thing out? If there's a reason that Jim Jordan wants him, that will blow this case out of the water. And that, I think, is the one question that I saw most asked out there is, why does Jordan want this guy? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know. Bragg, yeah, go after Bragg. Right. Well, would it be to learn more about why, you know, it wasn't pursued before? And I don't know. I'm sure that's why that, but you know, to show the politics, maybe Jordan wants to expose how radical this guy is, right? But this is a guy who wanted to prosecute Trump last right. time. Right? Would be interesting to, I guess, it'd be interesting to find out as to what. But you know, that's gonna this his deposition will leak eventually. Yeah, we're gonna find out what's in the deposition. So I guess it's more questions than anything else. Right, yeah. You know, why, you know, what is the what is the chess game being played here, I guess is my question. And I don't well, know. Well, yeah, does moment. Jordan believe he's going to learn that, look, they couldn't, you know, it, even though they wanted to before go after Trump, but they ultimately failed to find a crime and and didn't, and it didn't come together. Well, uh, well I know that's his, of, his eventual thing, but bringing Pomeritz on, Promerts wanted to prosecute. He believed there was enough evidence. So does Jordan want to bring him in to show how radical, uh, you know, the former the the former uh, assistant AG was mm. that this guy was even more radical than Bragg? I don't know. I mean, I just mm. that's my question. Yeah, okay. Promerts wanted. Yeah, I know. I know right. he wanted to, but but if you look at it, I th- I think <laughs> I think a number of them wanted to before. The question was, all right, why did where did they fail to do that? before and what what was there what wasn't there i don't know why bragg would step in front of it how does it not help bragg for him to speak openly because the statement came out over the weekend since this story broke that 
uh, from Bragg's office, basically, yeah, well, okay, you know, he's going to have counsel with him. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, he would always have counsel with him. That would be the case. See, saying is Bragg saying they didn't have the ability to ensure that counsel would be sitting next to him to guide his answers before, up until now? Was that part of the negotiation? Because in the way that it was phrased from Bragg's office, that's what it made it feel like. But I thought to myself, well, wasn't that always going to be the case? Yeah. I mean, that. Wouldn't you always have counsel sitting next to them to guide mm-hmm. their answers? That's just kind of part of the process. Yeah. So I don't know. don't know why Bragg would step in front of it to begin with. And except for to just shut it down and not have the the um, the hearing process go on. Well, because as long I, I don't know. Well, because the 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 fight was originally the 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 politics of it is is that Jim Jordan has and the federal level should have no jurisdiction or subpoena power over anybody who has worked for my office because the con- Congress has no no authority over my office to begin with. Now, the difference is the $5,000. The $5,000 of federal money then gives, you know, know, Congress the, in my opinion, gives Congress the authority. Now, they, they can't they can't arrest Bragg. Yeah, there's nothing actionable by right. them. You know, they but can, they can tell, tell a story. Yeah, you can tell you can you can tell a story, and that's that's okay. Mm-hmm. If if you if you 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 can always, as Congress, looking at oversight, saying well, they blew this money. We don't we're not we don't want to give this money anymore to local DAs to do something like this, or we don't believe his office should get this federal money because he's using it for political purposes. So you're telling a story that way, uh, and where he would be disciplined would be the state of New York, but that's in all likelihood not going to happen. Right. Well, and, you know, because if you if you look at it, um, this negotiation that they, you know, this settlement that they agreed uh, on the testimony you could see where Bragg's office, just even if it weren't Bragg, uh, you know, prosecutor's office would say, well, we don't want anything talked about that might um, interfere or compromise the integrity of our, our current investigation or case. But that's going to be, again, that's going to be a given. It would be a given that anybody that had any uh, past in this whole process is going to be careful, have to be careful about what they can say, and they know that. So I don't know. I, I don't know what what Jordan believes he's going to get out of it, and I don't know why Bragg would want to step in front of it. So we'll see. Yeah, because the whole argument from Democrats was you have no authority to even – uh, to to uh, even subpoena any of these people whatsoever, mm-hmm. and that argument's now gone yeah. for the Democrats. Right, now that right. Bragg has agreed, okay, no, he can testify. So what are they? Th- because that argument's now here. But here's another point: Do Democrats really want to stay as as this thing blown up in their face? Where Democrats just want to stay away from it, and that's why you didn't see. I didn't see any pushback to what Bragg did. 
where Democrats said Bragg shouldn't have done that. When they were fighting this last week, saying yeah, yeah. Jordan has no authority over well, Bragg's office or anybody who's ever worked no, in Bragg's I mean, office. It, that's, a, that's a good question because it, it, it comes down to um, Trump's appearance on that day. Remember, it seemed like the media just, or the day after, the story just went nowhere because the media was showing up. You know, you're looking at 34 counts, 34 counts. Everybody was like, oh, man. And I know the liberal media was probably foaming at the mouth. I can't wait to read this. Oh, there's nothing there. Yeah. And then, so they went quiet. And the story just kind of, you know, fell. And it really was the story. The story became, or clearly was, always about Trump's appearance there uh, in the court. And 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 because the case itself is baseless. And, and the media didn't have anything to go on. There, there were no talking points to take from that and go write a, a story in any uh, lib- liberal news group. There, there really was nowhere to go with it. So I don't know. It, it, maybe it's that, that brag on the whole, you know, you don't have the authority to subpoena and was standing on it and standing on it and standing on it. Maybe this really wasn't so much of a settlement as it was Bragg realizing he couldn't avoid it. Or he couldn't prevent it. You, you and I were were uh, talking about this when, uh, you know, was when the indictment first uh, came out. We found out the grand jury was going to indict, and the media just went crazy over it. And wait till they get the picture of the president. They're yeah. waiting to get that picture of the president sitting at the table, uh, and it's going to be unprecedented in American history because this is a blah 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 blah. And I went, stop it, and yeah. you know, stop this because it doesn't matter. Be- the the American public knows. A, the majority knows this is political, that it's bogus. Yeah. So it isn't like they get Biden's family on influence peddling and and not reporting, you know, not reporting income. Right. You know, to the to the IRS, those would actually be criminal charges and the political charge of, you know, whether you can say, uh, you know, the 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 president was giving documents or allowing foreign enemies to see documents or something like that, which mm-hmm. could lead to espionage charges. I mean, those would be the ultimate things you'd be looking at in this particular case. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, and those are, you can look at it and go, okay, nope, they've connected the dots uh, uh, there. This was, it's like impeachment. Remember, when, uh, this was unprecedented. This would go down in American history, two impeachments, blah, except they were bogus. Yeah. They were bogus impeachments. They were, right. po- they were absolutely political. And the news story is... Not that the president was impeached twice, but they were bogus impeachments. Yeah. And what came out of this is not that history, a president is in, former president is indicted and has to appear and it's going to blah, 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 blah. It meant nothing because it was so overtly political that the story is that you will have a DA that will make up a crime and you know, try to make up a crime to accuse a president of of 34 felonies just for political purposes where there's no evidence there. Because right. you and I were amazed by the time we got to Friday of that week, it's Thursday, gone. nobody was talking about it anymore. It was unprecedented. So uh, I, I just, I look at this and say, you know, when Bragg, you know, the only argument they had was the Jordan has no authority over, well, apparently he does because Bragg says go for it. Yeah. Yeah, especially Bragg, you know, has no problem with it. So why did Bragg do it? Would be the question. Why did he not fight this? 
you know, as far as he could fight it. You know, the appeals court came in and said, okay, we're going to put a stay till at least this weekend on it. Yeah. You don't have to do this. Right. And they could have right. gone through the court, and he decided not to. The question no, I ask is That's why. a good point. On the, on the appeals level, Bragg won. Yeah. Exactly. So why not delay it even further? I, I don't know. Because it's not like he would have a heads up as to this, how this is going to go, you know, on, you know, past the, past the because appeals. and and because I don't know how long it would take to get to the Supreme Court. I mean, uh, I'm guessing they would ask for, you I, know, an expedited decision. I but. guess what you could get if you're Jim Jordan to tell a story would be these are the type of people that were working for Bragg, and this remember he wrote the book, right? He wrote the book on Trump, people versus Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, what did you want? And it could show, you know, the type of people, how radical they are that work for Bragg and that and, and set up the whole thing that once the pressure came on, once Promerts wrote the book, where Bragg was going somewhere that he really never wanted to go, and you could get that from Pomerantz. Well, Bragg didn't want to go there because he didn't believe there was anything there. And now he's going after it, so you end up coming back you know, coming back around by having Promerts on where you initially think, well, he wanted to go after Trump. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe that shows how radical he is. And then you ask him, well, why didn't Bragg want to do it? Because Bragg, and he comes out and says, well, because Bragg says there's no evidence here of any crime. And that hurts Bragg even more if you're telling the story, because obviously the charges against Trump are bogus. Right. Which then makes me wonder, why did Bragg say yes? Why didn't he fight it? Right. Well, again, you had the latest decision was working in your favor. Yeah. You could at least kick the can down the road. Or did he, did he have reason to believe that it wasn't going to work in his favor much longer? I mean, well, we, have, we, he would have lost. we have we have reason to believe that. Yeah. I, he would have lost the higher it went. If, yeah. You know, because the highest it would go to would be the Supreme Court. And... But why didn't he fight it for the political purpose of just fighting it? Right. Because he's fighting against Trump and Trump allies. Why did he, in essence, concede? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, by the way, I expect the answers <clears throat> in the testimony or the deposition yeah. to be, you know, well, I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. I can't <laughs> talk about it. Don't remember. Can't talk about it. Can't talk about it. <laughs> Eight six six ninety red eye Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. In Toronto Radio, he's Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE couple of things. Bud Light, mm. Mm. the marketing director on a leave of absence. Huh. And we'll tell you about uh, the former uh, NBA legend. Well, he's not former. You're a legend all yeah, the time. Yeah, you're always a legend, I think. Phil Jackson has not watched an NBA game since 2020. Wow. Why? We'll tell you. Mm. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. 
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 86690-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thank you so much for being here this morning, as uh, always. You know, been spending a lot of time over the last couple of months uh, just uh, going through so much of different hearings from Congress on YouTube. Mm. And it's just so great because, you know, I don't get the commercials. <laughs> yeah, I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying for me, it was worth, uh, you know, I don't have, uh, don't have cable anymore, don't have satellite anymore. But I will spend money for things that make my life a lot easier. And it makes my life a lot easier not having those commercials on YouTube because I can go through so much during the day. Yeah. And it's wonderful. But I wanted to go back. This actually goes back to March. And this was the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability on Economic Growth, Energy Policy, and Regulatory Affairs. And uh, Representative uh, Perry from Pennsylvania was asking questions to one of the Democratic witnesses, uh, Damond Drummer, from the Institute on Race, Power, and the and Political Economy. <laughs> hmm. And <laughs> this this debate was, and and it's uh, it's superb here because uh, they get into talking about the strategic uh, petroleum reserve. And the point is, I mean, he sort of gets uh, the the Democratic witness in a bind because the Democratic witness had talked about the fact that <laughs> the releasing out, out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve helped to bring prices down. And so you know where they're going at this particular point. Yeah, yeah. And so I just want to play a little bit of this back and forth that happened in March just to show you Man, I would hate to be a liberal because I would hate not to be able to complete all my points. You know, when you and I connect the dots, there has to be a beginning and then an end. There's yeah. a conclusion to it that makes sense to everybody. There isn't like a huge whopper of a question. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah. And that's what happens with Democrats. Let's hmm. play part of this here. Caused what precipitate. I'm going to start. Mr. Drummer, um, you just kind of mentioned your. First of all, were you uh, were you alive during the 1970s era gas crisis? Just out of curiosity, I don't know, so I'm just asking. I wasn't born yet. You you weren't, but you do acknowledge that that was the reason for the construction and the development, the advent of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, right? You you'll acknowledge that, right? Yes. And and do you know what caused, what precipitated that? Why why did we do it? Why did America do it? I'd like to follow your point here. Would you like to elaborate? I mean, it, it's why, why, why did, did we create what? a strategic petroleum reserve? What was happening at there the was time? an energy crisis that was outside of our control? Okay, and who was controlling it? The cartel that 
of, 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 of states that are the primary energy producers. In, in, the, of, in the Middle East, right? The right. cartel of states in the Middle East. Now, they said there was an energy crisis. I was alive at the time. Uh, and they said there was an energy crisis and we're actually running out of oil. That's what they said. There was, there was a limited supply and it was all going to run out and the prices were going up and you couldn't get it. You could only buy gas odd and even days based on your, your license plate. I, I lived through the whole thing. And so we created this strategic petroleum reserve to counteract the global market's control over it. Right? Would you agree? I, I'm following you. Okay, you're following me. Okay, so, and, and I would acknowledge you say it's a global market, which you said it's a global market, right? But you just said, with the last, with the last uh, uh, my colleague from, uh, from Ohio, you just said that when the, when the president released oil from the SPRO, that it actually reduced cost. Did you not? I'm citing the majority's witness on um, who acknowledges that of all the factors, that definitely did play a role. Oh, well, not an outsized role, but it, it played a role. Did it reduce the cost or not? That's what I'm asking. Did it reduce the cost or not? It did. And, okay. But the majority is arguing okay, okay, that, so it reduced that should the cost, not have been but, done. But, but that prior to this, with Mr. Donalds, you said it's a global market and there's nothing we can do to control it. If there's nothing we can do to control it, <laughs> how did reduce it, re- releasing oil from the SPRO reduce the cost? It reduced the cost marginally. But the price was, 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 was at elevated level. I don't not, but it reduced the cost. The point is, is that we can do something about it because, sir, in your testimony, you say that we can't drill our way to, to energy security, but clearly, clearly we can because we can influence the global market. That's exactly what just happened, and you just admitted to it. So what we're here to talk about is a strategic petroleum reserve and what it's used for. Do you know what it's used for? Do you know why it was designed? Do you know the definition, why we have a strategic petroleum reserve? We have the reserve to insulate the U.S. from these types of energy shocks in times of crisis. In times of crisis, emergency, national security emergency, and, and natural disaster. What national emergency was occurring that required the release of so much, or at literally any, of the SPRO? What national emergency was occurring during the Biden administration that required us to do that? If I recall, there was a war in Ukraine. And that's a national emergency for the United States of America. Did it, impa- did it imperil the United States of America's ability to drill its own oil, produce its own fossil fuels, refine them, and get them to market? The president made a judgment. Did it make, did, that just answer that question. The did war in Ukraine was driving up costs for oil to the extent to which it would mandate or even lead him to make the decision to make the release was it an emergency it was, was a global it was a global energy crisis this is well established are we no it's not sure here? you can't say it was well established when it's not well was established. you also say record costs in, sir, in reclaiming energy, my time globally what established facts prices, do you have you say that wind and solar are by far the most cost effective sources of energy on the planet and you say it's an established fact what are those established facts and who established them? I invite you to read the footnote and um, source for that claim well, just, just in my tell testimony. Me. This is your testimony. You just tell me and tell us what the established facts are. Renewables, particularly wind and solar, are the most cost-efficient and cost-effective means of producing energy says on this Says planet. who? Says who? Says physics. No, no, no. Who's the first? Cite the study, sir. 
give me a moment. I'm going to look at the report uh, that I cited and give you the name of the report that Sir, you Sir, have you ever to. worked in, in the energy securities market? I have worked at the grassroots levels. I have worked the energy at the national level. Market. The energy work. securities market. Have you advised anybody? I have not worked in the energy securities market, but it doesn't take an energy trader. Sir, you, you've got as it much experience as I do, and I pump gas for a, for a living. That's what I'm taking. <laughs> and I checked on this guy. He's a professional educator is what mm. he is. Mm -hmm. I went back and looked to see where he was, and I'm like, wow. They really presented a, a weak witness because uh, I, you know, <laughs> I can tell you without anything in front of me and without the so-called expertise of the Democratic witness there uh, why uh, solar and wind uh, is more expensive than traditional energy. And one of the reasons is, one of the major reasons is, you can't have a 24-7 and you need a redundancy of a backup of traditional energy which we're doing here in the state of Texas, which is going to skyrocket the electricity prices here because they need to to make a ton of natural gas plants that may only run 10% of the time to back up solar and wind. Because they're only running part-time, they're much, <clears throat> much less efficient in terms of the cost of maintaining and running them. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> physics physics he just throws it out that's his answer physics physics yeah uh, tell us the physics of it what does it take what does it take to build a wind farm what does it take to build a solar farm what is required in fact if it is such such a great efficiency what would be required in terms of building out the wind and solar farms and the infrastructure for the delivery of of the energy mm -hmm. that they produce, which they can't do constantly. Right, and I just gave one point. The other point would be the materials that are ne necessary to mine it, the efficiency of it, uh, something that we had talked about the other day, that the massive new grid that has to be produced because you have now electricity not coming from a very, very small area and spreading out, but you've got to have grids all over the place to connect all of these, what you would need, thousands upon thousands and millions upon millions of acres of of solar solar panels and and windmills spread all over the country so the cost would be through the roof and since you would need to have an entire backup system of natural gas generators to do it which aren't running the cost would skyrocket through the roof yes so this guy who claims he's an expert says physics yeah Physics, dude. I'm telling you, there isn't one single issue where the Democrats know what the hell they're talking about. No, there isn't. And over and over again, they have to make it up as they go along. Yeah. Physics. Physics. Because physics. physics, man. Because, you know, I... I'm not an expert in that field, but you don't need to be an expert in the field. Don't. I don't need to work on a well, or I don't need to be part of the chem the uh, the chemists in a refinery that are refining it to a particular product to understand the economics of it. Well, and, and explain to me the physics. From the very beginning of mining the material to build out 
the energy farms that would be required to the transmission of those energy and build the infrastructure to the transmission of the energy. And also, what about on those days that aren't so sunny and aren't so windy? What about sub-freezing temperatures? When the windmills uh, have to go into protection mode and pump oil, basically to uh, an oil that heats the turbine to keep it from freezing instead of producing energy. And as we know, we've played the Obama Cup many times before where he has said, you know, naturally uh, the goal is to skyrocket electricity prices so green energy can compete. So they have to skyrocket it. So it isn't the most price efficient uh, at all physics doesn't show that at all no and then john and this is what reminded me of this audio that i just was sitting in the back i just didn't get a chance to play it when i saw john Kerry over the weekend green energy will be more competitive if we raise the price of oil and gas hmm. that that's the entire goal of the democrats is to skyrocket the cost of oil and gasoline that's why they do not want to have production in the united states they only want to increase production to lower gasoline prices near an election. Yep. And then they don't wish to do it anymore. So there's right there, Carrie, green energy will be more competitive if we raise prices of oil and natural gas. Mm-hmm. Why? Because <laughs> solar and wind are more expensive. Yeah. And solar and wind are more expensive, even with the subsidies, they're still more expensive. Yeah. And that's the problem. But, yeah, but I, I looked, went back and looked at this guy's record. I'm just like, well, he's just been an educator all this time. He's mm-hmm. been going to school. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I actually looked it over, I go, what experience does he have in the industry or economics? And I can't find any. And I'm like, wow, that's the best the Democrats could do is send him in there? Oh. Uh, Pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, look at, look at the makeup of, of everybody in the Biden administration. Clueless. Ask about their expertise in any of the departments. Clueless. You got a guy who was a mayor in charge of the Department of Transportation. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. If you'd like to get in on the uh, the show today, well, uh, Anheuser Busch is rearranging the management of its Bud Light brand. Huh? I guess just a coincidence. Yeah. Uh huh. Bud Light marketing vice president Alyssa Heinerscheid is taking a leave of absence and is being replaced by Budweiser Global Marketing Vice President Todd Allen. Oh. The company has also hired two consultants with experience in Washington, D.C.'s conservative circles to advise the brand moving forward. (laughs) Oh. Really? Oh. 
Wow. <laughs> I I wonder what. Oh wow! You know, um, um, <laughs> some points have been made. What's interesting is some interesting points have been made about how this all went down. Um, you know, uh, I forget who it was that made the the point. I don't know. This is early on at National Review that Bud Light doesn't really know its consumer. They don't know their, you know, the 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 people that have been loyal to their brand. Someone else made the comment that, you know, the response by her, the I, I guess former marketing director there, um, and 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 the whole comment on we wanted to move away from the frat boy image and everything else. That that was so bad because what you say is, listen, we, we want everybody to enjoy our product. Anybody and everybody can enjoy it. Instead of, yeah, we don't like these frat boys. And then like a couple of days later, there's pictures of her that come out from a party. <laughs> Somebody had on Facebook the pictures and she actually said it, you know. She was blowing up a right. condom. Yeah, in one of the pictures, she's blowing up a condom and drinking a a beer that's not a Bud Light in the other one of the other pictures. Now, it could have been. I'm guessing maybe it was long before she was at Bud Light. I don't know. Oh my! But the the whole idea is that you say this, and we we talked about this back then, years ago with Howard Schultz. God, my gosh, that's been a long time that we talked about that. A long time ago. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, when he was um, at Starbucks and it's, hey, um, don't know, you know, you can talk about the issues all day. We serve coffee. Well, here's the deal. You come in, you order your, uh, your coffee the way you want it. We'll make it the way you want it right there for you, the way you want it. We'll put your name on the cup even. We'll write your name on the cup. It doesn't really have to even be your name. Just give us a name, any name. We'll write it on the cup. And we'll make you some great coffee right there. Hey, we make the best coffee. Come on in and try our coffee. But if you want to jump into it, then expect that there's going to be a response. So that was 2015. (laughs) Well, well, he rescinded it. It said, uh, send a letter to employees that baristas would no longer be encouraged to write the phrase, Let's Ra- race together right. on customers' coffee cups. Remember, let's talk race, that whole thing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Where the baristas were going to talk racial issues with the customer. <laughs> you I know, mean, that's even worse than the Bud Light no, thing. No, I mean, think, really. think about it. They're in the boardroom. They're sitting there in the meeting. Okay, I got this idea. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. This is something that everybody agrees on. Racial issues. <laughs> so here's how we'll do it. Stay with me. We'll write it on their cup so that when they leave there with what is now their cup and take it out into the world, it will be something that they'll be proud to show everybody and they'll want to talk to everybody about racial issues. <laughs> wow. What could go wrong?
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Harding. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. And then you go back to, and we'll get back to the Bud Light thing in just a moment, but we were making the comparison to mm. uh, uh, Starbucks. Remember in 2013, because mm-hmm. 2015 was the, it was March of 2015 when he finally came out and said, okay, I don't want the baristas talking race to the yeah. customers yeah. Uh, and, and having the discussion on race. Remember, 2013 was, uh, and, and I'm reading this here, after years of waffling amid increased controversy, Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz has finally asked gun owners to stop carrying firearms into his stores. But that doesn't mean you can't carry your gun in when you get a latte. Schultz and company would just prefer that you didn't. No signs will be posted and employees will not uh, are not to confront gun-owning uh, uh, customers, uh, you know, or not to confront uh, gun owners who are customers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pro-gun activists have used our stores as a political stage for media events, misleading calling uh, called Starbucks Appreciation Days that disingenuously portrayed Starbucks as a champion of open carry. He wrote in a letter posted on Tuesday night, to be clear, we do not want these events at our stores. It's like, how do you even get involved in any of this stuff? You sell coffee. Sell the coffee. That's all you got to do. Sell the beer. That's all you got to do. People are buying your beer. People are buying your coffee. You know, there's there's the two things. I mean, if you think about it, (laughs) beer and coffee. You know, if the government had come in during the COVID thing and said, we're going to stop all sales of coffee and beer, there would have been riots in the streets. And it is, you know, I mean, every every day you've got people uh, at your location when it comes to coffee, at every location, every morning, a line around the block to buy really expensive coffee. <laughs> And they do it every day, some of them multiple times a day. You can sell your coffee, play new age music, and everybody will know you're liberal exactly. without being offensive. It's okay. It's fine. Hippies make two things really great. Coffee and ice cream. Let them do it. I, when you're saying that, I'm just thinking if, if Bud Light would have come on and said, we would prefer that none of our Bud Light customers have a gun. <laughs> oh, have my a, gosh. Have a six-pack of Bud Light and then discuss race. And yeah. throw, in, throw in religion, too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Why not? And guns. <laughs> and Trump. <laughs> we encourage, Bud Light encourages all liberals and conservatives to have a six-pack and then afterwards discuss the news of the day. Yeah. Maybe we can find some common ground. I'm going to tell you, Bud Light. Clydesdales don't leave bigger messes than this. <laughs> I just, I just don't, I don't get it. I really don't. You're killing it. You're crushing it when it comes to beer. Yeah, they are. You're crushing. Or they it. were. <laughs> and and coffee. You own the game. And. 
you know, every caffeine addict in the world will tell you, you own the game. You know what you discuss? Coffee. Would you like another one? I mean, how is it, how is that not number one? Why do you have to feel like you're, you're, you're already a hero? You're already a hero. Yeah, you, you have their coffee. You're already, yeah. you're, you're already a hero. Right. <laughs> remember when they had to shut down to do the sensitivity training? Oh, yes. Remember the, they, they shut, shut down, down in the afternoon or something. They didn't, yeah. they didn't shut down in the morning. Why don't you shut down in the morning? Well, nobody would they, shut well, down in the morning. They got involved in the guns. Yeah. Then they got involved in anybody can come into the store, even if you're not a customer. Remember right. that? Right. And then uh, the the problem with that is, well, wait a minute. Then your bathrooms are going to become drug havens. Yeah. So then they had a they had to back off on that. Then they had to back off on the race thing. Right. It it does seem like that uh, Bud Light has realized. We can't win this. We shouldn't be involved in politics. We should be involved in look any any and it doesn't have to be just a beer. Any soft drink, yeah. You know any any soft drink is picnics, family, right? Right. Picnics, family, yeah. Beach, right. Boating, right. Uh, uh, uh. Coca Cola was it? Uh, yeah. Uh, teach the world to sing. I think was originally a Christmas. I thought it was originally a Christmas commercial. I thought one it was of, a hippie commercial. One of them was like, yeah. teach the world to sing and yeah. perfect. But they had a lot of was. Christmas commercials. But but that's or but, campaigns. but you can be you can be generally let's all be good to people. You, you can throw that general statement out. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's um, you know you I just, don't have to you, know what it means to want uh, you know to. to Oh, okay. Yeah, now I want a soda, and I'll go for the you know whatever. It's but it's it's not that it, it isn't that hard. You know, if you start no, losing, you're, in in either case, Starbucks or Bud Light, you're selling liquid drugs. Yeah, that's what you're it, exactly. You're if you're if you're <laughs> understand the consumer, if you're losing market share to your competitor all of a sudden without doing anything. You know, then you might want to think about your game and 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 you know figure out what's going on there. Otherwise, if it ain't broke, don't throw it into a gasoline fire. I just don't. Again, I don't. And it's you know with Bud Light, it was bad after bad. Okay, so they they made the move, and then there was a reaction to it, and, the, and then the marketing. A uh, person comes out and says, well, we wanted to move away from the frat boy. Imp- oh, basically labeling everybody, uh, you know, their audience is a bunch of frat boys. <laughs> um, I got news for you, ma'am. <laughs> a bunch of people you, that drink you know, didn't even go to college. Well, let me and ask And they're working class individuals that say at the end of my day, I'd like to have a cold brew. Well, let me ask and you And they this. chose yours. It, because we've been talking about this across the board, you know, with, with Hunter Biden, where it's now, okay, will the cover-up be worse than the crime? Was actually the cover-up worse than the initial crime when she said the frat boys thing? I think they could have gotten... I really wonder if I that think, was... I think they could have gotten beyond the whole, you know, making the... Again, they weren't marketing 
the cans, if they had marketed the cans, if those cans were going to be <laughs> in coolers everywhere, that might have been different. But they weren't marketing the cans. And it was like, hey, listen, we wanted to acknowledge this person because we welcome anybody, you know, to responsibly enjoy our product. And, and that's what we're all about. So, but of course, um, we also acknowledge all the hardworking men and women out there. Um, and, and you, I mean, because it really does. It, it encompasses everybody. It's not that hard to market your product. Everybody over the age of 21. That's it. That's your audience. And you don't have to go very far to do it. It's beer. We get it. Not too complicated. It's not a special kind of beer. You've just, and, and they had honestly really cornered the market uh, cornered the market. They'd really uh, uh, captured the market share for the longest time. But I really do believe it was the response that, that hurt them even worse. Because then you got into a debate and you clearly took a side. And you, and you didn't, as they said at National Review, you didn't remember who your customer base was. I will say this. I'm still surprised. I mean, you know, you and I have been doing this a long, long time, and we can look and we can say, okay, if this happens, it's really going to blow up. Uh, I Sometimes things come out of left field for me, and I'm like, wow. Was, I, yeah. I didn't see that. I it was a rogue wave of a story. Yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming, and it's something that you and I have been passionate about for the longest time, the sexism, the misogyny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the promotion of child abuse as mm-hmm. we uh, as uh, as we call it with the uh, the surgeries and 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 hormones for children that you know the insanity of what they are promoting there we've been on it well over a decade and we've been we've been waiting for the public to finally come up and say okay we've had enough yeah and I was looking at there was another issue out there somebody. Oh, somebody come forward to fight something. It wasn't on the liberal transgender activist movement. It was about something else. And they said, look, conservatives need to stop being quiet. Mm. And we mean more than the politics. The, polit- the the people in power, because we always talk about the fact that, you know, that the, the, the leaders and very few leaders rarely lead. They see they want to see where the public opinion is and they'll go with it mm-hmm. if they know it's it's uh, and and when you have it. And and so I view that, for example. Um, uh, Riley Gaines is a is a um, is a leader now, yeah. but she wasn't when she first came out. Right. She's been a victim of it. She became a leader because she said okay, and then you had more people stepping up. Like I said last week, the two liberal feminist organizations finally to stand up and say, "Enough! What about women's opportunities? How dare men try to decide?" What the definition of a female is, how insulting is that, how sexist is that, how misogynist is that. When you look at, and now you've got more, uh, I saw the other day a, a transgender teacher came out and said, look, I'm transgender. There's no way we should be teaching this stuff to five-year-olds. This is right. just insanity. Right. We know now that there are many, that there's a split in uh, uh, liberal gay and lesbian organizations in the LGBTQ because the LGBTQ now, as it's currently written, is basically the liberal. That's why we call it the liberal transgender activist movement, because there are people that believe they are transgender that don't buy into this at all. Mm-hmm. And you have a tremendous number of, we hear from them, they write to us all the time. Mm-hmm. 
that are you know that that are gay and wish that the transgender movement never became part of their movement. Right. And so uh, Raleigh Gaines helped push that, and now you have feminist organizations, uh, you know, coming out, liberal feminist organizations, and saying, okay, enough is enough. But what really drove it, you know, I think was Raleigh Gaines, but then what really put it over the top was the whole Bud Light situation. And I'll, frankly, I didn't see that coming, that sometimes you just don't know what the catalyst is to light something off. Yeah. And right. and that was it. And so that's why I'm thinking, okay, was it the actual story that was written or was it her explanation that sent it over the top that, you know, uh, we don't just, we're not just going to sell to the frat boys anymore or whatever. It's just. Well, and, and I, I think it was a combination of both, but I really think that the, the response to it uh, was so thoughtless because it wasn't marketing. You know, if you, you think about what marketing is in a product that really, again, for everyone 21 and over, that's your audience. Ready? Go. And I think it was, you know, okay, yeah, but... We want to get away from this. What do you mean get away from that? Get away from anybody who's legally allowed to purchase and consume your product? Why in the world would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you create enemies in the people that fund your company repeatedly? You don't... Most of whom... You never have to advertise to. You know, it's a great point. It is one business where you don't, any other business, you buy a car, you buy a refrigerator, you buy a home, you're going to, you know, your odds are you're not. You're going to shop. You're, you're going to shop and look different. But when you start drinking a particular beer, that's the beer that you drink. Yeah. You have repeat business that is automatically built in. The one thing, and, and that's what I would add to uh, the National Review piece. It, it's one thing to... Uh, ignore or or carve out part of your customer base. It, it's another to ignore their loyalty and not yeah. recognize Good point. their overwhelming loyalty of your yeah. product, which is in the numbers that you also fail to see. She's not capable of doing that job and shouldn't have been there, frankly. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. See what Bill Marsh said on Friday. Well, they're going to call him a racist. Mm. Even if it doesn't make sense or apply, they're probably going to call him a racist. We'll get to uh, 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 that more on the uh, Hunter Biden and Anthony Blinken uh, uh, situation. Uh, Eric Adams in New York City, uh, the mayor, says the city's being destroyed by the president's uh, migrant crisis and just so much more. We've got, oh, yeah, DeSantis and Trump. And yeah. the whole COVID yeah. attack strategy right. coming up.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 86690 Red Eye. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I am Gary McNamara. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you so much for uh, being here. Coming up here in a little bit, DeSantis versus Trump and uh, the uh, latest uh, <laughs> going back and uh, and, uh, and and forth. Mm. Uh, Trump hit uh, uh, DeSantis as uh, Florida being a disaster of a state, which is like, okay, it's going to be a tough sell. Yeah, uh, DeSantis shot back at uh, Trump talking about Fauci's role in the administration's coronavirus response and saying, and this is because Trump attacked him first on COVID and said he was weak. And you and I said, look, early on, every, every when people didn't know what was going on, people did different things, you know, up front. Uh, and when Trump went after DeSantis, you and I both said, we went, whoa, you got to be careful because <laughs> you were Fauci's boss. Yeah, right. <laughs> In essence, you let you gave Fauci a free hand. He can come back at you big time. You better be very careful about that, and that's what he did. And we'll get that coming that uh, here in just a little bit. Let's get to some of your calls and comments. So everything from uh, the Bud Light uh, uh, situation uh, to uh, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and uh, and uh, the Secretary of State and the uh, uh, the conversation that he had with Mike Morrell, former uh, head of the CIA, where Mike Morrell testified and said, "No, Blinken. Well, sorry." Uh, this thing all started with him, hmm. and at that point, Blinken was working uh, for the campaign. He is now Secretary of State. Let's go to Tim in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, Tim, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, real quick real quick point, and I'll get to Blinken. I figured out the Bud Light um, Starbucks marketing campaign. It's physics, guys. <laughs> uh, you know, somebody just listening may not understand that because it references to something we talked about last hour but we found that very funny here uh, you, you got okay. us on that one tim yeah yes you did. Uh, uh, t- tony blinken before he was campaign manager for biden he was the managing director of the penn biden center from 2017 to i believe uh, 2019 like mid Mids uh, or yeah, beginning yeah. of summer 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they were getting a lot of the I, I, anonymous I, donations. Yep. Great point. Yeah, I wonder if uh, I, I wonder if uh, he knew where the classified documents were. No, but the, Tim, the, the reason you make that, I'm so glad you called with that because we didn't touch that that part of it when we were talking about it earlier. Because what it shows is he was involved in the Penn Biden Center, oh. which then puts out the perception that he knew about all this these anonymous donations coming in from the yeah. Chinese because yeah. he was part, he was the managing director of it, which then gives the perception or makes investigators question and say, well, how many then knew about Hunter Biden's influence? And then it gets mm-hmm. all to the Penn Biden Center, the secret documents there. Well, Hunter. 
uh, the documents at the house, well, well it opens th- it up. Exactly. Think, think about that. Yeah. The, the guy uh, basically who was running the the uh, Penn Biden Center, uh, where uh, you know the first batch of documents uh, was found, is now in charge of classified information. Right. Yeah. He's yeah. the Secretary of State. Yeah. I mean, if Great you think point. about it, yes. he's he's gone from working there, then campaign advisor, to now Secretary of State, the guy who oversees all of our top secrets. Yeah, amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I do think, though, that you're going to see, <laughs> I, th- I think you're going to see some pressure this week. I really do, because they can't give any answers, and the Republicans are going to be screaming for answers. But, Tim, one more thing I just want to tell you, that the the, the fact is, your physics joke made no sense at all, which is why it was so funny. <laughs> it only makes sense if you're a loyal listener. Right, right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much. You have Thanks, a great Tim. day. All right. Uh, let us go to Patrick in Ohio about uh, the Bragg situation and allowing the ex-prosecutor to testify. Patrick, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi, Patrick. Howdy. Hey, how are you today? Uh, not too bad. Uh, yeah, you guys were talking about how long it was taking, and all of a sudden he just gave up on it. Yeah. you got to remember, the Democrats want to keep control of the timeline on when they put Trump in, in court. This will throw him off. He didn't have control of the timeline, how long it would take. Well, no, this had nothing to do with his timeline of court. This is a separate thing with the ex-prosecutor. The next time Trump will be I in. I understand that, but yeah. if he's tied up with that, he can't work on the Trump thing. Well, he's not tied up so with he it. He just simply screw it. The next time Trump is in is December, and this wouldn't have affected it. I don't. I don't believe it would have affected it in any way. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know how. Hmm. That because it's simply okay. Does a prosecutor testify or not? Bragg is not going to personally prosecute Trump. Right. So he's not personally going to be. There's other prosecutors that are going to uh, uh, do that. But Thanks, uh, you know, who knows? We'll see. Uh, let us go to Don in Chattanooga, Tennessee, about Bud Light. Don, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi, Don. Good morning. Good morning. I, I'm just tired of, of them trying to cram the transgender stuff down my throat. It's, it's like we had a uh, we have a family functions at my house all the time. And we usually about 38 family members, and I keep two cases of Bud Light in there in my refrigerator in the garage. Well, I was going to restock it. And I went. I usually I got Yingling because of this, hmm. and and we've about half of the thirty eight that come over to the house are drinkers, and they brought other beers besides Bud Light because everybody was a Bud Light drinker then. And I said, why are not? And they said exactly the same thing. I'm tired of this. You're trying to have me accept it. I don't accept it. it. If they want to dress like that, do that. That's fine. But don't sit there. Want me to accept it or call them by their assumed name? Hmm. No, I I understand completely, and I, we've been waiting here on Red Eye since we've been talking about this for over a decade. Thanks, Don. We've been waiting for the the, the pushback to finally come, and and again, I, that's why I have to credit uh, Riley Gaines for doing what what uh, what she did for well, coming out, and because that really helped push this, I believe in the uh, in the direction it needed to go, and then the Bud Light thing hit, and boom. You know, this I, I think really that was the tipping point. I think Don right there, um, you know, was uh, a, a great example of what we, you know, probably didn't see coming when we were talking about it earlier. 
uh, this rogue wave of an issue and, and how, you know, it, it seemed to really change the course of that issue. And that is this. It's one thing when we talk about um, streaming services, right? Because streaming services uh, uh, services are Hollywood. They And we've kind of gotten used to the agenda coming from Hollywood. And then if it, you know, if it gets too lopsided in one direction, we can cancel our subscription, right? We're not bringing that subscription to our friends or, as Don mentioned, you know, family coming over or whatever, and there's a get-together. But when when it reached our beer is when people said, stop. And it's the Al Bundy thing. I thought you, how you, did you, you know you where guys, I was? You guys have taxed everything. You're going to tax beer? No. Read you have my to go, lips. Man, you have to go back to the early 90s for that one. And, 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 that's, and that's the difference is that, you know, the one thing. The, the, it's the one thing, right? You take, you get uh, a case of beer or twelve pack, six pack, whatever. You take it home. You grab a beer. Hey, you want a beer? Even Obama had a beer summit. Remember the whole Professor Gates? Yeah, and exactly. The right. Police officers were acting stupidly. We have a beer, and it brings us together. We uh, no, have that's a beer a, summit. That's a great point. It's, though. It, it is one of those, you know, and and they talk about this. Actually, the very history of of ballot type voting and, and issuing of opinion or choosing things uh, that happened in, in what were taverns back in the day that started serving coffee. And it was on an episode of Modern Marvels on history. And that coffee, a modern marvel? Well, okay, I drink coffee. I'll, I'll, I'll watch. And, it, and they talked about how, you know, it changed and but there, there was this socializing around in taverns around beer basically, mm-hmm. and then they started introducing coffee. People started having longer conversations, and then they started having you know uh, uh, these these little okay write things down on a piece of paper of of what you select or you know, and it was this the 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 beginning of what would be a ballot type process. You know, of course, a lot of those ballots were hidden and then burned and. And, you know, right away there was fraud involved, but <laughs> it's <laughs> just kidding, sort of. And and but the this idea of, you know, when we when we get together, it is it is really kind of a, with adults. It is that that hey, you, you want a beer? Hey, grab a beer here. Have a beer. Hey, I think I'm going to have a beer. It's one of those things that you it, it just I, I won't say that it brought people together but it was certainly a centerpiece no for many conversations no, i think i think you're over the years i think you're right on culturally it is and i don't mean just in the commercials you know i, I the story i love to tell you know my father having the case of ballantine beer in his basement yeah as i said, said before you know my father's 97 never seen him drunk I don't think I'm going right. to either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, never seen him drunk. But once a year, because Mr. Duncan next door is there, you know, because the winters are long. And so you get out there to cut the lawn for the first time. And Mr. Duncan would, you know, come out with an ice cold beer for my father. Yeah. And my father got the case of Ballantine in order to reciprocate later on in the summer. Right. He would bring the beer to him. But there was a there's a socializing aspect to it. Yeah. 
because we don't talk about it a lot does not mean it doesn't exist. And it does exist. There is, you know, the, the it, socializing around a beer or even a cocktail or whatever well, is a part of bringing people together. It really I put is. it right up there with breaking bread. I agree with you on that, yes. You know, or and supper. Or yeah, supper. yeah, if, if you, it's if a ritual. You, if you talk about that, you know, of, of, of sitting down with people and, and because it, it it is, you know, if you say, hey, you want to go to dinner, it really is about the conversation. You know, it's about um, socializing. Hey, you want to have a beer? It's about socializing. And when they were going to bring that into it, that felt invasive. Because what you were doing I, I, I was, like, I as like a, where this is going. Like as a it. as a company, you weren't just it, you. It, you went from supplying the centerpiece to controlling the conversation that you had no part in. I like it, and I think I, no, that's I, where I, 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 like I think it. that's where that yeah. line no, always I, will be. Great, I think these are totally great points, and I think you know. This marketing person, and it really, I mean, I, I, I assume there are other people involved in it, but she made the decision, again, to cut in and say, we're changing, we're going to change the conversation. And Starbucks did the same thing. Or we're going to lead the conversation. Yeah. And Starbucks did the same thing. The morning ritual of coffee goes back ages. And then when you talk about the conversation. Hey, you want to sit down for a cup of coffee? It wasn't about the coffee. No, it wasn't. And we're going to not only be this, the, the centerpiece, we're going to move away from being the centerpiece to controlling and leading the yeah. conversation that they had no part in. And I think it's a great point when you talk about the beer. It's the, same, it's the same kind of cultural thing. Let's have a beer. There's camaraderie behind it. There's socializing behind it. There's how are you doing? You know, there's there are there's, deals there's, made. There, deal, there's the respect level. Yep. Hey, I saw you're all cutting you know, How you doing? Haven't seen you all winter long. I mean, I think about my dad and that little ritual. Yeah. And my dad really wasn't a drinker, but the beer was an important part of it. Yep. Of the imagery. Now, you did bring up the best point of all that mm. uh, the married with ch- uh, children, <laughs> Al Bundy, uh, don't tax beer episode, right. yeah. which was, I believe, the best ever because <laughs> he gave he gave the greatest populist speech ever in existence no yeah. no politician has given a better populist speech than al bundy gave on on after the beer tax was actually actually i don't see was it yeah it was it was it was uh passed mm-hmm. they, yeah, but right. then again they rioted and pillaged and so then they retracted <laughs> yeah. the beer tax yeah. but when he's when he was talking about wine drinkers and the fancy food they ate while you know cavorting with their beautiful second wives while mm-hmm. while we beer drinkers were breeding with peasant stock. Right. He, he looks and goes, sorry, Peg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it's some of the best stuff there. Mm. 866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, mm. a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. To determine a driver's compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA score, Safety event data is recorded and compared against that of other drivers. Drivers are given a CSA score, but unlike motor carrier scores, driver scores are only visible to enforcement officers during an audit. However, drivers' most recent five years of crash data and three years of roadside inspection data is made available to potential employers via the pre-employment screening program. 
so it's a good idea for drivers to review their online PSP record from time to time. A request for data review can be submitted via data queues to have errors corrected or to have a non-preventable crash designation indicated for a crash. In the event a current or previous carrier is audited, records on drivers with high CSA scores will be targeted first, but individual drivers are not subject to CSA interventions like motor carriers. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So is uh, a leave of absence just a way to, um, I don't know, sort of uh, have a soft landing on all of this? You You didn't fire her, which would have ticked off the left. She's just on a leave of absence, and then she just sort of disappears. Yeah, um... It's probably the softest landing, but I think even more so you look at it from the standpoint that where we just broke it down, and that is if you don't have a clear understanding of your very loyal customer base, then you don't have a, a place in, in marketing for mm-hmm. the product. That is number, that, that's number one in, in product knowledge, and product knowledge is the key. You know, you you have to understand who who is drinking it, and then beyond that, or consuming it, and who it, beyond that, find out who is not. You know, and that gets into market share stuff, and and you go from there. But you never alienate anyone. Everyone over twenty one is your audience, and that's how you market it. Is a potential customer. Yep. And it's all about the product. Well, you never know. I mean, Starbucks brought back Howard Schultz, right? And he made a ton of he made a ton of massive errors. Oh, sure, yeah. So I don't know. But I, I mean, I it'd think, be interesting to you see. You know, I think like with, with that, time. it's it's a company who just keeps getting hitting that um, wall, you know, or, or point that we talk about the liberal circular firing squad. You think you're going to do something good. And then you just keep hitting a wall, and you wonder why. And, well, and, and think about this, because Howard Schultz was a liberal darling for everything that he was doing. Oh, yeah, yeah from, yeah, from gun control to saying, well, not just customers can use the store. Anybody can come in. Uh, and then the whole race thing. And basically had to back off on all of them. Right. To the point now where the biggest controversy, when you talk about Starbucks, uh, Starbucks is known as the union-busting company. Yeah. Think about right. that. I mean, yeah. that's just that's how bizarre it gets so quickly. Right. And he was a liberal darling, and no longer is he the liberal darling. No. Because you can't, the, the problem is, it's tough to go halfway. You can't sit there today and say, well, let's publicly come out and take take political opinions and try to appease both sides. It's never going to work. It's you not simply, going to work. You simply don't get involved in the arguments. Right. Not up to us. That's we, it. We sell beer. We want everybody to drink our beer. Right. Even Trump supporters. <laughs> yes, everyone. Nazis! <laughs>
show that got you through Biden's nuclear winter you have so far. Good luck. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. On Friday's broadcast of MSNBC's Andrew Mitchell reports, Special Presidential Envoy for Climate, John Kerry, stated that wind and solar will become far more price competitive than oil and gas if oil and gas companies see their cost rise. Under my plan of cap and trade, electricity rates will necessarily skyrocket, Barack Obama. Yep. So that's how you make solar and wind more competitive yeah is you raise the cost of oil and gas mm-hmm. and which will skyrocket electricity prices right. also, as we all know mm-hmm. uh and uh solar and wind becomes more competitive yep so massive inflation on energy prices is the solution to you having a better quality of life. It's how it works. Just amazing. It's like, shut up. I'm sorry, just shut up. Well, you know, and because Man, just the one thing that they that the left has been dying to get their hands on in terms of uh, nationalizing any massive part of the economy aside from healthcare, it's energy and you make it cost prohibitive while you're ushering in what you call renewable energy now over and over again we show you these green companies that can't survive without government money some of them can't survive with government money So it requires the government to be present in the operations, in the funding, in the regulations, all along the way. It is a, if it is to work, it definitely is a strong path to nationalizing energy. It is the greatest shot that they have. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is make it cool. To have an EV. Well, that's going to be tough. What's going to be tough when, again, prices keep going up and up and up and up and up. And we'll get to that eventually. Uh, Never mind the the recent drop in, in costs with Tesla. Look at all the other automakers, EV makers, and the costs that they're seeing. And look at how they are, again, pushing for more government money to be a part of it. Because they understand that you cannot, you absolutely cannot produce them on the level that would be required per the mandates that they have set forth without massive amounts of government money. (laughs) AOC and other Democrats now out there promoting the Green New Deal again. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I mean, it's just every single day you just can't imagine. 
You just can't. You just go. Wow, you thought they'd probably drop that. No, let's come back with that now. With inflation going on, now let's propose basically nationalizing because that's what you'd have to get to in the Green New Deal. Yeah, you'd have to nationalize all all major companies. Mm-hmm. And that was brought up way back when she had endorsed it. Then they dropped it, and I'm thinking, you bring it up now. You bring up the Green Deal now, a year and a half before the elections. Really? This is what you want to sell the American public? John Kerry out there talking about how electricity prices have to go up more? Yeah. How oil and natural gas has to go up more Mm -hmm. in order to make everything competitive? All they're talking about now is raising the prices of the things that the people need the most. And then with the Green New Deal, as we know, because no one... You're going. You're going to the, these companies with these mandates that you would be put on with the Green New Deal. We've already discussed this because mm. they talk about the fact. Oh, I love this over the weekend. I got to find. Oh, who said I just? I just popped out of my mind. Somebody said, "Well, the ninety million or the ninety trillion is really nothing compared to the, those costs. Will be cheaper than if we don't spend that money." Yeah, we don't right. have ninety trillion to spend. On climate change, it's a cost savings. It's, it's it's not you know it's it's not there. I mean, they're just. I mean, the more we get, the more I think they suspect they're going to lose. The more insane they become to promote insane ideas. But yeah. as, but yeah. as we said before, all these companies, if you sat there and went, okay, all automobile companies must produce electric vehicles, and uh, and uh, you know that's how it goes. Well, who's going to their size is going to crash the size of the company that they are. Oh, yeah. Because people can't afford it. And if they mandate it, mandate everything else with the high electricity prices that will come with it and everything else, people aren't going to be able to afford cars. They will destroy the automobile industry. And so stockholders are going to abandon them. The government will have, would have to buy them. That, but, and that's exactly the plan. That's exactly what will happen. Because no one will want the to invest in something that's not profitable. We already see that with traditional forms of energy in states like Texas. Because if it has already been shown that the the mandates require this, then your investment is going to fall short. Mm-hmm. You're not going to invest in the traditional forms of energy. Because they won't be profitable because the government won't allow it through regulations. It's not going to be allowed. There, There is no future there based on the regulations. Well, when there's no investment and the only investment that you have on solar, wind, and EVs requires massive amounts of government money, you're already halfway there. Nationalizing energy is just around the corner if we allow it. There won't be the private sector investment. There won't. Well, you're seeing it right now. You're seeing it in Texas. Mm-hmm. And and the, the word coming out last week that government would have to subsidize. Think about this, because this is how insane it gets. So Texas doesn't have what it had before with Frizola. Right. We now have to subsidize the federal government. This is insane. The federal government will be subsidizing 
solar and wind. That's what they've been doing. Mm -hmm. But the states need to ensure that the grid actually works for its citizens. The federal government doesn't give a damn about that. We're just going to give all this money and build solar and wind. Right. So the state of Texas is saying, okay, the taxpayer is going to have to partially subsidize the backup. The backup, which is natural gas, which doesn't need any subsidies if it was the primary form of energy, and then the rest will be increased costs to the taxpayer. So we have to subsidize everything across the board or to the customer. But basically, it becomes de facto government-controlled because all the subsidies from the federal government and the state government are controlling all of the power resources for the grid. Yeah. So you're already getting there. You're, you're, get, there. you're getting as close to nationalization as you can get in yep. a free economy, which yep. is everything is massively subsidized by the government. Right. For no reason, because it you don't solve the problem. You don't solve... The problem that you claim is happening. Right. But it doesn't matter. It's like it just keeps getting and, more, and, more insane. Every and day. just, wow. That plan in Texas will ensure that the green plan goes forward. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Because you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't on the backup. You can't let it fail as a state. Federal government, as you mentioned... They don't care. On the federal level, they don't care. So the state has to make it seamless, which is even more expensive, which means that no one will ever know the shortfall of wind and solar. You won't be able to tell because the backup will be there. Right, the, and the backup will be natural. And if you yeah, don't right. see the shortfall, you don't see the problem with it, you're just going to be paying through the nose. It's funny because the federal government is basically living in the delusional world. We can run everything by solar and wind. Yeah. And so we're not going to, they're not telling you the whole story. They're not coming in saying, look, we have to subsidize solar and wind. But right. since we're subsidizing, uh, you know, solar and, and wind, we understand that it has to be more expensive because natural gas can beat it like like crazy but we wish to save the planet right so we need to subsidize solar and wind but we understand that solar and wind can't run 24 7 it's an inconsistent form of energy so we will the federal government will also subsidize the backup of it they're just forgetting it and leaving that to the states we're going to be delusional and have a plan that would destroy the grid and the state's going to have to fix all the problems that's caused that, that that's caused because of it and subsidize, as you just said, natural gas backups, which will keep the green energy going. Yep. Because everything then across the board is subsidized. Enormously expensive and it will never fail. So you'll never see the shortcomings right. of wind and solar. And then what we get is then you'll be charged your utility costs based on your income, not your usage. Yes. So it will because, become a and, true welfare. And by introducing that part of it recently, they admit it's enormously expensive. It will break the poor and the middle class. Right. Wow. <laughs> Shaking my head. And and we're here. It's, yeah, it's, it's here. Ha it's, it's happening. Yeah, it's happening now. It's not it's going right. to reverse. Nope. Good luck. That's the insanity that we're, this is pure 
nuts. 86690 Red Eye. Lines open for your calls. 86690 Red Eye on Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I saw that Elon Musk pulled uh, back, and uh, he's no longer going to have state-sponsored media or state-funded media. Yeah, those, the labels. Those labels are now gone. Yes, put on there, yeah. And then he's giving, is he giving blue check marks to some celebrities now? Yeah, at, at first it was only a few. <laughs> he apparently had, the report is that he personally... Paid for Stephen King's blue check mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Subscription to Twitter blue. And <laughs> Stephen King came out and said, look, it, it says my blue check, you know, telling his followers, it says my blue check is there because I subscribe. I did not pay for a su- subscription. And Elon Musk responded, you're welcome. <laughs> and then it came out over the weekend that he's giving that back he's given the blue check back to a number of big celebrities the whole group of them it's a lot of them i don't know if there's a threshold on followers or not i subscribed to twitter blue uh last month in march at first i wasn't going to and i don't know if i'm going to stay but there are things that i work with our marketing team on that looked pretty promising based on the way they've laid it out and publishing content and everything else on Twitter, which is something Facebook promised and didn't, they didn't keep that promise long-term. They actually pulled that and changed the way uh, the um, exposure that media companies get in terms of your newsfeed. It changed drastically. In fact, on Facebook, we don't know if it, where it's going with Twitter but I jumped on Twitter blue. I'm not sure if I'm going to stay. We'll see where it goes on, you know, what they're going to do on content. I don't see if it were just my page. I don't see the value in it. On the personal level, I don't see any value. in it. Well, I just see that he's going through trial and error because he jumps on one thing for a couple of days, gets bad feedback and then changes it and he's done that a number of times just in the last a week. lot it, and it, it just you know because then now the pushback if you're handing celebrities their blue check again and they're not paying then you're saying the elite don't have to pay and you're also acknowledging <laughs> their argument and their argument was hey i think bet midler posted something like i bring a lot of you know, people to you know because she's got i don't know how many followers but she's Kramer? got a lot of and then, yeah, and and so you've got a lot of celebrities, you know, that will tell you, look, people come here to follow me. Look at my following. I've got, you know, two million, four million, whatever followers. And so I add to your platform by bringing people here every day. You can definitely or up to, um, you know, January of 2021, make the case for Donald Trump and that, you know, make mm-hmm. that case for Donald Trump. I don't know about those other celebrities but there will be the pushback hey they're not having to pay why am i having to pay
is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.